It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Boston Celtics do nothing at the trade deadline, and I've got Tom Westerholm of MassLive.com to talk about it with me. It's the Friday Locked On Celtics Podcast. Millie, let's go. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. Uh, happy Friday, everybody. Uh, I assume you're all happy about the way things went. Or <laughs> uh, or if you like the people on Twitter, you're not. Uh, so the Boston Celtics stand pat at the uh, NBA trade deadline. They did not make a deal. Other deals were made. The competition got a little bit better, depending on your opinion of things. Uh, but it will be interesting to kind of see uh, how much better... We really think they got. Uh, so let's all talk about it here. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com, joined by Tom Westerholm of MassLive.com. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Thank you, thank you. So, all right, let's let's get this out of the way. Because I, I, I can't gauge exactly how upset people are because Twitter's not real. But there, <laughs> there is certainly a segment of the population that is like, I don't know how upset they are, but upset that the Celtics did not make a deal. Um, so let's just get your initial reaction of, on the scale of one, like you don't give a shit, to ten, like it's the end of the world. Like where would you be on this <laughs> of like how much do I care that they didn't make a deal? I mean, I'm pretty lukewarm on it, and it's not – like I, I just think that like – like this, you know me, I'm not a both sides type of person, but like, I, I can see both sides of this one. Like, I, I understand why the angry people are angry. Like, I do think that there are, were moves that were available probably to the Celtics, uh, you know, or like, you know, I mean, we can't know what the negotiations actually were, but I think there were players who were at least semi available that they could have pursued and, you know, maybe tossed in, you know, an extra mediocre first round pick or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, that they didn't, that would have shored up their bench or could have shored up their big man rotation. Like, I think that those moves were, you know, on the table. Um, but at the same time, I also understand why the Celtics would want to, you know, salvage some of those picks. Like, I'm not saying for, for, to draft three more rookies, but like, people are acting on Twitter, um, which is where we all live now. <laughs> like, they're acting on Twitter like, like those picks are now, you're locked into, to keeping them. And like, right. no, you can just trade them at the end of the season too. Like, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily help you this year, but on the other hand, with this year, Celtics per cleaning the glass are on pace for, you know, 60 to 61 wins. Um, they haven't been healthy since opening night. They haven't had their whole roster available since literally opening night. I mean, I just don't, you know, <laughs> I, I, I see why a team would want to hang on to its pieces and, and actually, you know, see what it has or, you know, I mean, any trade would have had to send out one of their players, um, I get it, you know? So yeah. I, I guess that's where I come down on it. I mean, maybe you could put me down for a 
like a, a three or a four. Like, it's not that I don't think, like, I understand why people are angry. I understand their perspective on it, but I don't think, but I also understand why the Celtics would stand pat. So it's, yeah. you know, it's complicated. It's, it's the NBA. All it's... these decisions are fraught. <laughs> fraught, I say. Fraught. I, I, I agree. Three or four is exactly where I would have been, where I, I really felt like the Celtics could have made a deal. And when you look at moves like uh, Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson going to Philly, especially because they went to Philly, and Philly like addressed a little bit of a need. Uh, it, and I don't know how much better it makes Philly. We can talk about that in a little bit. Right, yeah. yeah. But like it, it does. You, you sit there and say, it, it improves them to whatever degree. Miami, I think, improved to whatever degree. Boston, uh, did they improve? And the, the obvious argument back is, well, if they get healthy, if ever they do, then yeah, they right. can improve. Uh, but at, at the same time, I sit here and say, yes, they could have done certain things. But you listen to Danny Ainge, and obviously Danny Ainge is going to spin things the way he wants to spin things. So, uh, but you hear he, he could have done a deal. He said, there are deals out there that were tempting we could have done, uh, but the the picks that we have weren't either weren't as valuable or they had to be attached to players that teams just didn't want and if you look at the Celtic salaries and this is one of the points that Danny Ainge made there there is a little bit of a gap between what their top players make and what their lesser players make and so Jalen Brown's I would say are, considerably more than a little bit of a gap. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Jalen Brown's already off the table anyway, because he's going to make 24 million next year and poison pill. You, you don't have to get into that. Jason Tatum's obviously off the table because he's going to be their best player if he's not already. And then you get down to like Daniel Tice making 5 million and you need Daniel Tice. You're like, you're not trading Clint Capella. We saw that whole thing. They were never trading for Clint Capella. Um, Cantor is a guy that they maybe could have moved, but that's, not even five million, and how many play, how many teams are looking for an Ennis Cantor? Then you start going down to: Are they going to move Romeo Langford? Are they going to move Brad Wanamaker, Carson? Those guys don't even make two million dollars a piece. So, and I'm sorry, I understand that like Romeo is, you know, that 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 people haven't, you know, he hasn't been on the court much, and they have a lot of wings, but like you can't trade a six foot five slasher with all this potential who's played like you know, 120 minutes so far. Like you, it's insanely risky to trade that lottery pick at, at this stage in his career. So I, here's, here's what I think really happens at this time. And, and where this kind of podcast fits into the ecosystem that fans are excited about this team because this team is good and this team is likable. And all of a sudden, even though this is where, exactly where fans would have wanted this team to be. I've said a, a bunch of times in this podcast before, if we would have signed up for this exact situation right now, most Celtics fans would be like, yes. But that doesn't change the fact that the process of getting here made this, uh, makes this a little bit more exciting. And so the trade deadline comes around, people get themselves juiced up. The entertainment of the, the entire deadline gets people juiced up. And then as each trade gets made, the anticipation grows and grows and grows. And there's just no release for anybody. 
and now everybody's pissed. Are they pissed that the Celtics didn't get Alec Burks, or are they just pissed that they didn't get some satisfaction out of the trade deadline to be like, to, to get some sort of like, oh, right, we did something, or, oh, I'm so mad that we got this guy, we should have got this guy. Like, there's just, nothing is is worse in this situation than doing something that was bad. Like, pe- the Celtics doing nothing just gets people like, well, now what? Like, people want their thing, and now this, us talking about it, I think, is like the, all right, let's just calm down for a second and just understand the Celtics are still top five in offense and defense. They're still third in the East. They're they're slowly, hopefully, getting guys back. Robert Williams seems to be on his way back in a few weeks. There's there's a, obviously the cliche that Danny spews, like health is our number one option and, and that's our best acquisition. There is some validity to, you know, if, if these guys could just get healthy, then... You know, I, I think they're that's better than trading a bunch of this stuff away. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like, you know, like, and, and again, when you when you look go down the list of of who they could have traded, it's just there's just no like real sensible target unless you're bringing back somebody that you're quite certain is going to fill a major need. And like again, you go down you go down the list of players, and it's like the top five of the Celtics are spoken for. You know, you know who's going to start if everybody's healthy. Then you've got Marcus Smart is the sixth man. That's six already. Um, Cantor is going to get minutes. You know, he's been, you know, he's had moments this year where he's, you know, he, he brings something to your team. So that's seven. Grant Williams has looked quite good um, recently. And, you know, Brad is starting to really trust him more as, you know, sort of that small ball five. And, you know, Shemi Ojale is shooting like 44% from the corners and, you know, defends five different positions. Like, that's eight or nine, you know, relatively playable guys. And, I mean, that's not even counting Wanamaker, who, you know, Brad has, has really trusted. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if, uh, you know, we'll see what his playoff numbers would look like. But the point is, like, you need to trade somebody who is, whoever you trade for is going to replace one of those guys. So, if they're going to get into the rotation, and, I mean, if they're not going to get into the rotation, then you're just giving up young guys for nothing. So, like, yeah, I mean, I, and again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm completely caping for, you know, what the front office did. Like, I get why people are upset. Like, I sure. get why people are concerned about it. Um, you know, I, and I also, I will say, I get why people believe that this is a, like, a moment that the Celtics should try to seize. Because it does feel like the NBA is really wide open. And, you know, who knows what happens with Giannis next year. Maybe it doesn't look quite as wide open next year. Like, I, I, I get all of those lines of argument and, and they make sense to me, but you know, at the same time, there are a lot of reasons why this, why it makes sense for the Celtics to sit, you know, to sit tight. And I think that, um, you know, that, that just happened to be the scenario that unfolded itself. You know, that whatever it is, the wizards demanded one too many first round picks for Davis Bertans. Like the, you know, the, you know, the Kings didn't put Bogdan Bogdanovich on the, on the, t- right, on the table, right. like whatever it is, like these, this that's how things unfolded and you know now the Celtics have to go forward and you know deal with the fact that they have two all-stars and a third guy who's playing like an all-star and a fourth guy who's also playing like an all-star like oh no like this is just a terrible position to be in (laughs) no like it's they're they're fine this is they're in a great position they're absolutely rolling right now which I'm you know I'm sure played some role in Danny Ainge not wanting to panic like 
you know, they're blowing out the Magic or a, a low-level playoff team in the East without any point guards functionally. So, right. yeah, I mean, you, I mean we, we can say it over and over as much as we want, but it, it, it really makes sense from both sides. But, you know, I, I, I think that once we get, you know, a game or two beyond the trade deadline, I think Celtics fans will remember why they like this team so much and we'll start to come around again. Sure. And, uh, you know, when it comes to Giannis, I mean, he drafted Kemba, so, Kem- you know, Giannis to the Celtics confirmed. <laughs> Maybe he's coming to the Celtics. You, yeah. You, you that's, never know. That's yeah. confirmed. It's right. Kemba's going to go tamper, <laughs> and uh, Giannis is going to come here and be with all of his Greek community in Boston. So that's all done. It's done. All right, we're getting some into some more specifics about the trade deadline when we come back. I would suggest everybody calm down, and you can do that by using the Calm app. You know, we talk about physical fitness a lot. There's another side to the game that's just as important, mental fitness, which I'm a big proponent of. And you can get that through Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation. And they've teamed up with LeBron to help train your mind. They know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can train your brain to sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine, and it should be for you, too, because sleep is the best thing for you. We sacrifice it first, but sleep is what's going to help you get through stress and a lot of these other things that are are troubling you in life. So go to calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. You'll get 40% off a Calm Premium membership with Calm. You can have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves and so much more like sleep stories and meditation. So for a limited time, listeners of the Lockdown Celtics podcast can join LeBron and using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash NBA. That's calm.com slash NBA. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA Network of Podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts.
You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So let's look at some of these rumors that the Celtics were were part of. You mentioned it a little bit before the break, Tom. The Davis Bertans thing. Um, what else was there? There was um, a little bit of Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard um, with the Pistons. Um, so it appears that the Celtics did, according to reports, did contact those teams about those players. And depending on who you believe, what reports are out there, there are reports that it was, hey, they wanted two firsts for Bertans, but that's that's kind of called into question uh, whether that was even a possibility. Look, neither guy was traded. And this kind of goes into a second element of the the trade deadline, the fan anticipation of the trade deadline. The how many times have you gotten the well, just go get Bertons, just go right. get Kennard, <laughs> just go get them. And they like Bertons, let's just use him for an example. First of all, not gettable. He wasn't traded to anybody. And I'm sure a lot of teams were looking for him. Like the Celtics weren't the only ones kicking the tires on him. And secondly, he's gotten a ton of opportunity with the Wizards. And he might be in the best situation because this is a contract year. And on a bad team, getting all of those shots, you're like, wow, this guy, this guy is amazing. And if the Celtics traded for him, would he be having that same opportunity with the Celtics? I don't know. Would And would less opportunity fewer minutes would that allow him to still shoot 40 percent from three um there, there are some serious questions about whether whether even if they had been able to land him there is a point to be made about like eh, we're, we're talking about taking a guy in one role and putting him in a completely different role with the boston celtics yeah and i think there's also real questions i mean anybody around the team who you talk to will say look the way you get on the floor for brad stevens is by defending and you know, right. Davis, Davis Bertans is not a defender. Like he is very skinny. Um, you know, he would, there would be matchups that would be really, really problematic for him in the, in the postseason. And, you know, I, and, and I will say that I, I say all that, even though I was a big proponent, I, I thought that he was the guy that they should go pursue. Like, yeah, sure. I get why, I get why he, he makes a lot of sense on this team because, you know, we, you know, you and I were, I think, talking about this yesterday. Like, like Brad has never really had a shooter. Like he's never really had just that pure kick the ball out to him. You know, like his job is to knock down three pointers. And that guy is a very useful player in the, uh, you know, in the NBA. But I, you know, it goes back to what you said. People, people will say, Oh, just go get the guy. Okay. But let's say that two first round picks isn't enough. Let's say that the wizards are like, yeah, we really don't want to trade him. And the Celtics have just offered two first round picks. So then what do you do? I mean, do you start throwing around Romeo? Like, do you, at what point do you just put your foot down and say, all right, look, we're, we're cutting this off. Like, we're obviously, you know, not going to get Davis Bertans. Like, at what point does it just kind of become crazy to continue pursuing a guy who, again, is going to have certain matchup issues in the postseason, which is what you're acquiring him for? Like, you're not acquiring this guy, you know, to try to get yourself to 64 wins instead of 60. Like, you're getting this guy because you want him to help you beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the postseason. And if he's going to struggle, I mean, he like he would have a lot of trouble with Chris Middleton. <laughs> like right. he would would not solve the Chris Middleton problem. So, yeah, I mean, he was and, he, and again, he was the guy that I would have pursued pretty hard. 
I made the case on Mass Live earlier today that I, I thought the Celtics were like two first round picks was expendable for the Celtics. I felt like um, just because of the way their team is set up, how many young guys they have, how many picks they have. It may it would have made sense to me to trade two first round picks for a guy that they really wanted that they felt like they could re-sign or whatever it might be. But, you know, at some point you have to realize like, OK, well, at, at what point is it crazy to be trading all this stuff for Davis Bertans? And it sounds like they hit that point where they were just like, look, this is, you know, it's just not going to happen. And if it does happen they're you know, they were going to give up way too much for him. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the trade deadline for you. Right. And and like I literally I just got a tweet as you're talking, asking, like, I, I would have given as many picks as it took. And you know, <laughs> okay, like, like it again, at like, what point? Like, right, you're not gonna so, give up five first round picks for right. Thomas Bertans. Like, so, like, anybody, really. The Celtics have three first round picks. Are, are you giving up? And, and I know we've almost like mythologized the Memphis pick, kind of like we did last year with the Kings pick. And now Memphis is sitting there in the eighth seed. And yeah. so that, that's, that's gonna be somewhere in that same range. But like, it's still Davis Bertans. Like, right. it's, I, I get, I get it. And I know that he's been, you know, a darling of weird Celtics Twitter and he would have, because he's good. He's, because he's a good like, player. Like he would have helped. No, right. Yes. He would have helped. And it would have been nice and to again, have him. Yeah. And again, if you, if you trade for, if, if your team would have started him, then maybe you start to get into those conversations. Like if the Celtics had a hole at his position, then I, then, you know, maybe, maybe I start to get it a little bit more, but right. they didn't, you know, he's not starting over Jalen. Like, <laughs> right. And you're getting, you're not giving up two, I don't even know, like two, like your own and that Milwaukee pick. Cause I, I almost don't really count that Milwaukee pick as a, a yeah. first round pick. Like the 30th pick in the NBA draft, I think is, is worse than the 31st pick in the NBA draft because at least with the 31st pick, you can, it's not guaranteed. So, um, that's almost less valuable to me. But anyway, it's like the point here, and I think I really need to reiterate the Celtics. I would have liked to have had the Celtics go get one of these good basketball players. One of these good basketball players would have helped the Boston Celtics, but the cost of giving up what you had to give up to get those players and not to mention matching salaries, so, like, three first-round picks plus you have to match that salary. You look at what you're giving up for Bertans, it's, it's, it's a little ridiculous because as much as we get caught up in these moments, there's still a future that the Celtics have to consider. And yeah. it's not even drafting those guys. Like you said, it, it's you can go into the draft and – Trade out of the draft, trade up in the draft, trade down in the draft, take one of those first round picks and, and flip it to a second and whatever, or two seconds and whatever. Like there, there are ways to continue to maximize the value of these things and not go crazy. Um, yeah. So I, again, without being privy to the conversations, it's, it's, it's so hard to say, well, they should have just done this, they should have just done that. I think considering that Bertans didn't get traded, that Kennard didn't get traded, that Bogdanovich or Bielitsa, all of those guys that we mentioned that we would have liked to have, none of them got traded. So 
that tells you something about the availability and the guys who did get traded. I, I'm not I'm not going crazy over. Let's take right. let's, let's take a break because some of those guys that did get traded came into the Eastern Conference and and they they did do something to improve these teams. We'll talk about how the competition got better next on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Two trades that impact the Boston Celtics were made. Uh, let's start with the Miami Heat. I think that's the most interesting one. That Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill go to Miami in exchange for uh, Justice Winslow, uh, James Johnson, and Dion Waiters. No draft pick compensation. Uh, I wrote up a whole analysis on Mass Live, but I want to get kind of your take on it and, and what you think. Do you think this kind of improves the Miami Heat and how much? You know, when it was just Iguodala, I was really kind of unimpressed by it. Like, so Iguodala will help them in that. Well, okay, let, let me let me back that up. I am not sure what you know, thirty-six-year-old, thirty-six, right? Yes, thirty-six-year-old Andre Iguodala after not playing for, you know, more than half the season, I'm not sure what that guy is. You know, like, maybe he's better because he got to rest his, you know, Warriors-weary legs, you know, after all those playoff runs. Like, maybe maybe that's the case. But also, like, again, he's 36. Like, he has a lot of miles. And I don't know. Like, I, I am not 100% convinced that, you know, he's going to be this this massive game changer for them. Um, you know, I, I do like Jay Crowder. Uh, you know, I think he's had a, a good season, but, and, and I think that he shores up their defense a little bit. Like, the Celtics really figured out that zone. Uh, I think that if they were going to be, if the Heat were going to be playing that zone in the playoffs, I think the Celtics would have picked it apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, getting these guys does give the Heat more options to where, you know, Duncan Robinson isn't going to be guarding Jason Tatum. And, you know, that's a big benefit. Right. Uh, or at least, right. you know, for, or he's going to be guarding Jason Tatum less, at least. And that's a big benefit for Miami, like if, if these teams face off. There's no question about that. But, you know, like the Heat, they picked up a couple of guys who are going to be good defenders, who are, you know, questionable shooters. You know, Crowder has his moments, but he's not, you know, super consistent. He's, you know, he's never going to be like a 40% guy. You know, I, I don't know, man. I, I, the, they're good players. They're good wings. They'll help them in, in certain ways, but it's just like, I'm not certain how much these guys are going to move the needle for Miami. Like the Heat are still the Heat. Like they're still going to be, you know, a Jimmy Butler, you know, a Bam, um, you know, and, and shooters. Like that—that's their identity, and and we'll see how these guys fit into it. But it's going to be them fitting into that identity. It's not going to be them changing the identity into something else that, you know, that I think the Celtics really need to be panicked over. Um, it, it's just, uh, you know. They've, they've added some defenders. I don't think right. it's I don't think it's deeper than that necessarily. Yeah, I, I think the biggest win for Miami is they um, they they got rid of three players who weren't playing. And right, like, that that is the big thing. Yeah. Right. So you know, Waiters was suspended all year. He's just played like three games. James Johnson's played like eighteen, 
Justice Winslow's played, I don't know, like 14, 15, some, some kind of crazy. So they're paying $41 million for 32 combined games. And so just by virtue of getting Crowder, Hill, and Iguodala, um, they're going to get guys who can play. And so it, it'll take Iguodala some time to get into NBA shape. But assuming that, you know, he's worked and, and whatever, he'll, he'll be ready for the playoffs. So they're, they're, they're kind of counting on Crowder and Hill to be guys that kind of get them through the regular season. And they're, like I said, two guys that can play versus guys that aren't playing, that's going to help. Um, come playoff time, you're going to have Iguodala probably picking up Tatum and Crowder picking up Jalen Brown, which is much better defensively, individually than what they've had. Um, I agree with your points that with Crowder, um, his, his shooting has tail. He's shooting like 29% this season, but yeah. Hill, Hill is shooting like 40%. So, you know, they get a, they get a decent shooter out of that. And, and so it's going to help them. The really how much it helps them depends on how much Crowder can defend in the crunch and, you know, really defend one-on-one and, and right. how much Iguodala has left and, Again, Iguodala is another guy that's kind of almost been mythologized because he sat out and like, oh my God, there's this whole big thing. Will they trade Iguodala? Who's going to get Iguodala? And it's he's been pumped up now to like this big difference making piece, and he's 36, and yep, he's we forget like he he had that final M- finals MVP run. What was that three years ago? And I, it was 2015, right? Like, so 15, yeah. was it 2015? So it's five years ago. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a long time ago. So he's not exactly that guy anyway. And also prior to that playoffs, like there were times where people were saying, I remember that. What's Iggy doing in there? Like, there were, <laughs> it's not like he's like, I, I, people forget that he was just there to be defensive, you know, defensive stopper. And a playmaker, but like he's not gonna. He, he got hot, but he didn't. You know, he's not gonna shoot you to wins. So he could be. He could be something better than what I'm kind of making him out to be right now. But he could also. You know, it, who he is really tells us how much this needle uh, is moved by the Miami, uh, by the trade by Miami. Um, yeah. And, and 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 I will add to that, like these these guys are they got them to be part of the rotation, so so they brought them in to to play, and the time that they're playing is going to be time taken away. It's not going to be time taken away from Jimmy Butler, like that guy's you know your star, like that's your star wing. It's going to be time taken away from these guys who have been just lights out shooters, and so again, Iguodala and Jay Crowder are not good. They're not even good shooters, you know, at this point, like. So, I mean, Jimmy Butler hasn't been a good three-point shooter either this year. So at that point, now you've got a spacing problem, potentially. So, right. I mean, it, it, it solves some problems, especially defensively, and, and it, you won't have to play as much zone, you know, if you don't want to. But, you know, like any uh, like any of these trades where, you know, it, it gives minutes to one guy and takes them away from another, there's trade-offs. And I, I think, you know, these trade-offs have some real repercussions to them. So uh, that's, uh, that, that's a, a we'll-see type of move. Yeah, I think exactly. I think that there's it, it helps the the in a nutshell, it helps Miami by giving them players who play, 
which is yeah. big because they had players who didn't play. And right. then we'll see how much better it makes them. If you're interested in the the Memphis side of things, I wrote up a big uh, analysis. I kind of like what Memphis did. It's a small market playbook type of move. I think it's a yeah. long-term move. Um, I know they were kind of getting crushed for it, but I kind of like it. So go to MassLive.com and read my analysis of this trade because uh, I think long-term, this actually could be something that we look back on and say this ended up helping the Memphis Grizzlies. The other trade that was uh, out there is, like I said, Alex Bur- Alec Burks and uh, Glenn Robinson. <laughs> I always say Alex. <laughs> uh, it Alec- makes more sense. Yeah. Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson to Philly for a few draft picks. And as it, as it impacts Boston, there were, there were two things like – the, the initial reaction people had was, well, why aren't you? Why, why couldn't the Celtics do this? They they had draft picks. Well, the Celtics wanted to give up. If if they were going to take one of those guys in, they weren't going to take both. If they're going to take one, they needed to attach some salary going out. And yep. I think I think they kind of got burned a little bit by Golden State just wasn't going to take salary back, and the Celtics didn't want to cut somebody to do that. So um, that that it just is what it is. Um, and the other thing is, Philly gets a little bit better. They they oh, and have... just to, and just to add to the and add to, to add to the Celtics side of that yeah, real quick. Yeah. I also think that they at, at the time when those guys were traded, it wasn't clear yet that Davis Bertans wasn't actually available. Like I think there were guys who were higher on their board who they were more interested in. Right. You know, maybe they if Burks was still available, you know, at two fifty five, maybe they throw in an extra second that Philly wouldn't have thrown in to get him. Sure. But fair. those guys got traded before the guys that they really wanted, you know, were like sort of officially off the board. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a fair point. So, um, so the Celtics don't get those, one of those guys. Um, I, again, Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson, they're both shooting. I forget. I think, uh, one of them shooting 37%, one of them shooting like 40%. Um, both, Burks, Burks is the 37, I believe. Okay, so, you know, still good. It's a good number. It's a good number. Definitely. Uh, would have helped and would have been a nice addition. Does not having him, like, it would have been nice. Does does Philly getting those guys, how much does it help them? Um, and, and that's the real question. I, I didn't see who they had to waive. They did have to waive two players. Uh, but Well, they traded James Ennis. Okay, yes. And so I, James I Ennis went. James Ennis went for for nothing to Orlando. Yep. So that was one, um, and then whatever the other move is. So yep. I assume Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. He's he's probably cut. He's just so injury prone. There's no point. You see, you saw the way he played against the Celtics. Like, there's why keep him? He makes no sense. <laughs> uh, so Philly gets better. Okay, that's be- how much better. That's the question. How much better? Right. And, and, and I, mean, I think that, yeah, like, they got some, you know, they got, they got some shooters. They needed that. But, like, the problems that Philadelphia has are not going, I don't think they're going to be solved, even though they needed shooters and they brought them in and that helps. I don't think that solves the overarching problem, which is that this roster, like, the, the roster construction looks like a mess. You know, like, right. The, like, the, these guys are, you know, nice role players to bring off your bench. And that doesn't solve the fact that Ben Simmons, Al Horford, and Joel B is just a nightmare of a combination. Like, I, I don't know. Like, even, even, you know, even though this would, it will add spacing, you know, 
Ben Simmons just is, is so negative spacing, but he's still so valuable to your team. And, you know, Embiid is, you know, willing to shoot, but he's not good enough at it. And so he would, you know, he's much more valuable in the post, but, you know, can you win with a post up big man? Like all these problems still exist. Um, and they, and they didn't go away because you acquired Glenn Robinson the third, even though, you know, that, that sounds like I'm really dismissing Glenn Robinson the third. I don't mean to. Like he's a perfectly solid player and this was a, a nice move for Philly, but I don't think it fixes their structural problems. Right. The, the, the problems in Philly are, are much bigger than, Hey, Alec Burks is going to fix this. You know, Correct. let's, let's just put Burks and Robinson on the two wings and everything will be fine. They do create, right. they do give some space. They certainly give some space and you have to respect that. Um, but if I'm playing Philly in a playoff series and I, I'm going to sit there and be like, Hey, look, if Alec Burks beats us, then. That's I'll take that because it's not these other guys and and it doesn't fix this combination and I'm I'm as you're talking I'm kind of watching Philly Milwaukee and seeing some of those things coming into play here so um, <laughs> yeah so all right well in a in a nutshell at the end of this it, I think we're both in the same place would have been nice for the Celtics to to get somebody but we have to remember that this team is pretty good and you know. Maybe, maybe buy. We didn't even talk buyout. Maybe, maybe on Monday after whatever, you know, we'll, some, some names come up. We can look at the buyout market. That's, that's certainly a possibility. There's certainly some potential help in that regard if, if the Celtics really, really feel like they need it. And that deadline's March 1st. So there's still another month minus the all-star break for the Celtics to maybe get healthy and kind of see what, what they really have. In the meantime, you know, hopefully you guys are calmed down a little bit and uh, enjoy some basketball. Remember, this team is good. This team is likable. And just enjoy it for now. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And uh, enjoy it enough to subscribe if you're not a, a regular subscriber. All of you regular subscribers, go ahead and give us that five-star rating, a good written review, and share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.